Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine and GRC Professional Online. And with me today, I have Brad Flower, Director of Ethical Leadership and Compliance Leadership. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? Very well, Kwame. Yourself? Uh, not too bad. It's Monday. I wish it was still Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, so we're going to be looking, I guess, looking at something a little different today. Instead of focusing on the compliance processes and risk processes, we're going to be looking more at governance. Um, specifically at the SMEs. So I guess we can start by getting a sense of who you are and what you do, sure. and we can move from there. Great. Um, I've had a very diverse background, so I've come across multiple industries. Um, started off out in country New South Wales in a place called Wagga Wagga. Uh, trades qualified, so been in the coalface basically all the way through, through to the boardroom. I did my technical training in Bankstown TAFE back in the 80s. Um, the day I finished my apprenticeship, I started up my own HVAC engineering business, so heating, ventilation, air conditioning. I ran that for seven years and um, the collapse of a national brand and the 90s recession that we had to have pretty much paid to that. So I had to retrain myself and I went into tourism operations. Um, around that same time as the collapse, we had some good news in Sydney, or in Australia for that matter, is that we were winning the Olympics. So we had six or seven years to get ourselves prepared for this. A lot of people were scared by that. I was absolutely excited by it. Um, so I, I thought, there's an opportunity. Travel's a passion of mine. And I thought, how can I get my passion for travel and uh, link that in to tourism and then get in a job with the, the Olympics. So I was lucky enough to land a role in the Olympic torch relay where we had many, many stops around Australia. Halfway through that Olympic torch relay, I was headhunted or I was, I was uh, grabbed by the left ear, left ear more than anything and taken um, into a management role with IOC relations and protocol. That was just amazing. So um, became pretty much um, my entree into governance and re highly regulated um, compliance. Uh, that was off the back of the Atlanta Olympics. And if anyone can remember, we had some terrorism related mm. um, bombs that went off in Atlanta. So we pretty much in Sydney had to start afresh with our compliance and our um, protocol um, mindset to putting on these Olympics. Um, after the Olympics, I, I got asked to go across to the USC for the University of, of Southern California. I looked after their band when they were doing performing on the torch relay here in Australia. So got reciprocated across to there and um, found very quickly that the US wasn't a place where I was going to feel comfortable with. So um, made it back to Australia, had various corporate roles, went into 
Um, the American Chamber of Commerce as a GM here in New South Wales, which was um, a great experience, albeit very stressful and also hyper political. Mm. <laughs> so um, it was a great experience for that. Um, and then come out the other end um, at the GFC. So I was, my career's been bookended by recessions. <laughs> so uh, that made me go back into the um, engineering part yeah. of the part of the equation so um, that was with a German based um, engineering company they're electromechanical company and after 18 months of that uh, I was offered the role as managing director for the subsidiary here in Australia and it'd been around for 25 years um, when I found that the buck stopped with me I had to learn everything there was about governance and compliance mm. and I Rather than being, than being intimidated by it, um, I was actually intrigued and um, I welcomed the challenge. So that really got me into the, the governance space where I am now. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I guess it would be good for some of our compliance professionals to hear about someone in that governance space who's embraced the role as opposed to wondering what the bottom line is and how we can get away with very little. <laughs> yeah, look, I suppose the, yeah. the the drama, I suppose, or I suppose the challenge is that most of the governance um, professionals seem to be, I think we discussed this before off, off, off um, tape, is that most of the governance professionals are accountants and lawyers. Yeah. And no disrespect to them, we all need accountants and lawyers, but um, usually we only go to see a lawyer when we need something signed or something illegal or something's happened to us and the accountants yeah. are there <laughs> once a year to make sure that we've got our books in order. Yeah. Um, so hearing from a person um, or experiences from a person who's been at the coalface and actually been in the, um, the, being in the position where the buck stops with them is, I think, is a really important place that um, you know, it could offer a lot of insight for, you, for your members. Right. Well, I think you've already touched on it in terms of talking about your own personal development. Mm. But let's talk a little bit about the operation now and sure. what you're trying to achieve. Uh, so I guess, what is the ultimate aim or direction that you are going for? I suppose it's um, giving the answers that you don't get with the larger schools and institutions that are out there. There's a lot of content out there for um, the top end of town. But what I found um, when I did, I was a graduate of the ASCD back in 2013. So what I found as an SME who didn't um, have a lot of board interaction, my board interaction was literally going to Germany once a year um, and explaining uh, the papers that needed to be handled, um, handing them off to my director in Germany, explaining for, to him the outcome and the vision of my operation. Mm -hmm. And we, we've got to consider that in Australia, we're usually only three to four percent of global turnover. So um, this guy from Australia, yes, he thinks his operation is really important, but yeah, mm -hmm. you're three to four percent of our turnover. So I'd like to spend a, a lot of time chatting to you, but get out of my way sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so what I found was I left with more questions than answers. And I didn't think that was a healthy space to be in. So at the same time um, as I was taking on the directorship, I'm a bit of a sucker for punishment, obviously, but um, I was finishing up my MBA and I chose to major in corporate governance because it just seemed like the, the place where I needed to go. Um, my final project that I was um, working on 
my research program was called uh, a very lovely short title. It was a review of directors' liability mm. for Australian-based company officers, a novice director's induction. <laughs> so that was the lovely title of it. Um, what I found, I was not alone in the challenges that I faced. Mm. Um, and I, as part of that project, I interviewed up to um, 70, and interviewed, and sorry, and um, did a survey up to 70 managing directors. I was in the CEO forum and the CEO institute, so I had a fairly healthy um, network that I could tap into. And what I found was 86% of those people had, had um, not undergone any directorship training. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, here you are at the pinnacle of your career and you don't have the necessary tools for you to be able to perform your job. So um, there's a, in the, my readings and my studies, there's a, a wonderful author called Bob Garrett and he's like the guru of governance. <laughs> so um, we're using, uh, hearing a lot of the term after the uh, Banking Royal Commission um, of the fish rots from the head. Mm. Um, another one is quite appropriate, it's called Thin on Top, and it's not just my hairstyle at the moment, <laughs> but it's, it's literally saying about the, the, uh, the boards. And um, in that book, he's got a wonderful quote, and it's, a, it's called A Conspiracy of Silence, where there's an apparent observable unspoken agreement, not to mention that directors mm. were either unskilled or at best semi-competent in the roles that they're performing. So my academic looked at what I was proposing. It took me three months to get approval for this because there was nothing written that they could actually use it to reference back onto my competence level. So he noted that there was um, identified gaps in the corporate governance learnings for SMEs and novice leaders were largely being ignored by the large director institutions Mm. and the writings that were out there. So here I am. (laughs) I'm here to try and plug that gap. Definitely. Um, And I guess it's, I mean, it's important. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, talking about, you know, the thin on top. But I guess looking at the Royal Commission and then looking at the regulation that's come out, you know, or started to come out even before the Royal Commission, so looking at APRA's bear, which I think they're now thinking of extending to all APRA-regulated entities. Yes. um, I guess much of that focus and much of that media focus has been on the large organizations, um, which I guess could be a bit misleading for small organizations who might think, oh, well, this isn't applied to me because I'm not in the media or organizations my size are not in the media. So I think we could sort of probably start with what are you seeing in the media about some of these critical governance failures and then how would these failures then apply to SMEs? I think the the danger that people and directors have, um, you can be a director, as I am, of a, a, a sole proprietor. But as a sole proprietor, you still face the same laws, the same legislation and the same regulations as a 10,000 person operation. So the failings are that ignorance, I suppose, of your roles and responsibilities. Um, I come across this all the times, and it's um, there's a piece that I think the GSE are going to be, um, that I've written, is coming out in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Um, it, it addresses that, is that we don't have a high level in Australia of, um, of academic achievement. And I don't want that to sound arrogant or ignorant, it's just the, uh, stating the fact that in Europe, the CEOs and the board members and directors 
78% of them have achieved either a master's or a doctorate in their chosen field. Right. Here in Australia, we're one of the lowest. We're exactly half. We're, we're, we're below half. We're, we're 38% of, of our CEOs and managing directors having pursued that path of excellence. So the irony in that is that our laws are way more focused on the individual than the corporation. So um, when ASIC or when, as you said, APRA go, go and look for someone to prosecute, it's going to be the individual eventually that gets their butt in the sling, <laughs> put it nicely, or the buck stops with them. So I think one of the biggest problems that I had with, as you said, with the Royal Commission is in the Hain report, there was some observations made that uh, what CEOs should be looking to do. And I found this absolutely dumbfounding that, um, that we had to tell the leaders in our organisations that they should obey the law, mm. that they should not mislead or deceive, they should act fairly, they provide services that are fit for purpose, they deliver services with reasonable care and skill, and when acting for another, act in the best interests of that other. Now, um, that's something that I learned, <laughs> my parents instilled in me when I was seven or eight years of age. I yeah. learned in Cub Scouts. And the fact now that we have a, a Royal Commission and the chairman of that Royal Commission um, stating in the report that those are the guidelines of the, the, the quality that we should be enforcing onto our pinnacle in the operation, yeah, we've dropped the ball. Right, right, yeah, we really have dropped the ball. Yeah, no, and it's interesting you say that because um, as we were talking, I guess, earlier, again, off tape again, yeah. was uh, another podcast we were looking at, um, basically looking at part of the Corpse Act that basically states the very, like, sort of minimum compliance obligations that any financial licensee has. And again, it's, it's back to that, you know, why do we need to talk about this? You know, why is this, why is this not the obvious part of your compliance program? Yeah, I suppose it's the overwhelming part of the Corporations Act. Um, there's 250 sections. There's over 250 sections. But um, you're sure you're going to learn a lot of that in a five-day course. Um, but what I'm really finding and one of the feedback I'm hearing is people don't have five days available for them. They don't have the funds available to go in there. Is is our good old Australian attitude, just want it quick and I want it now. Mm. Let's let's. What can I do? And so, what I found is if we focus on really about ten sections of the Act, and that's from one hundred and eighty to one hundred and ninety-two, mm. we're looking at your duty of care as a director. We're looking at the terminology and what is called good faith and use of the position. Mm. What is what is your obligations um, civilly? What are your civil obligations? What are the criminal offences that you can face? Mm. Uh, most importantly. Um, and the, the use of the information that comes across your desk, particularly when you're into an organisation that might have 20, 30, 40 people. Um, I think we're seeing quite a few things on social media now about directors of questionable organisations that have come up with head offices based 
um, in tax havens, etc. Mm-hmm. How do you come across that information? What do you do with that information? Mm-hmm. And how transparent have you got to be when you use it? So the laws are very clear with that. And we just got to make sure that um, as an SME person, that the information that we can coming across and the our obligations as a director are met so we don't fall into those traps as well. All right, excellent. So yeah. we've been talking a lot of, I guess, of the the dark side of things. Yes. Um, and I think I was going to ask you why do you focus particularly on SMEs, but I think yeah. you've already sort of touched on that um, mostly. So I guess the next question is to move away from that doom and gloom and look at maybe how can we solve this problem? So what are some of the key principles um, that one needs to consider when looking at good governance? Look, the good governance, it, it, I may be oversimplistic, but um, is it, it's developing a very simple mindset. And that mm-hmm. mindset is that you do not accept a given. What's been in place last week um, is not good enough for what's going to happen next week. You have to adopt a, a, a mindset and a culture within your organisation of questioning the status quo. Right. Okay, so, um, it, and it's it's driven, it can't be, you hear so much of good governance is, is led from the top down. I'll argue that till I'm blue in the face. It's actually driven and influenced from the bottom up. Right. Okay, so you lead from the front. So a good leader and a good director will be not just dictating, he'll be shutting his, his or her mouth and listening to what's happening at the coalface. I think we found this with the Banking Royal Commission and in the finance industry, what the ideas and the mindset the board had in place is absolutely not what was happening down at the tellers and down at the ATMs. Right. Um, so you have to find out what is happening in the coalface. You have to get, um, as, as we were just discussing off tape, um, complacency, in Australia, we have this attitude of she'll be right. Um, it'll never happen to me. Um, no worries, mate. Um, well, actually, there is plenty of worries now because the new laws that are new powers that ASIC and APRA and BIA are going to have are going to put the spotlight on to the SMEs as well because, as we found with the ATO, mm. The SMEs are an easy target. Um, They don't have the deep pockets and the lawyers to fight um, as the large institutions. So the SMEs have got to be really on their game. So the good thing is if you have a culture of accountability and that is the the buck stops with me, continual improvement, then you're well on your way to have great governance. Right, absolutely. And I guess we could sort of look, I guess, at some of the real sort of physical regulatory changes have taken place people should be aware of. Yeah. Um, we've spoke a lot about the financial industry, but of course it's not just the financial industry that has governance challenges. Um, I think when we were speaking before, you talked a little bit about changes in the work health and safety yeah. laws and things to be aware of. So could you elaborate a bit more on that? Look, this is, again, coming from a, um, a perfect storm when I entered into my role, my uh, managing director role of a multinational. That was 2012. So I'd just come off the back of the Workplace Health and Safety Act being harmonised across Australia. That was done in 2011 as implemented over 2018. Um, and again, this is the thing about continual learning. Um, I wasn't happy with the information that I had available to me through my staff members. So over the last three or four years, I still take this questioning mindset. So I've gone out and got myself a diploma in WHS um, so I can actually understand what it is that the Act 
demands upon a business owner. Um, so you look at that and and uh, with what's happened up in Dreamworld with the, the tragedy they had there um, uh, some 18 months ago, so 12, uh, two, two years ago now, um, unfortunately laws and legislation will change and we're very reactive for that, but they'll always change after a tragedy. That's a given. Mm-hmm. So what you find is um, it's going to be legislated. I think it's already legislated in Queensland that um, industrial manslaughter is going to come across the page. Now, in the Senate, um, they've just passed legislation, I think in February it was, um, where see criminal fines from corporations go from, it used to be Mm -hmm. $200,000, it's going up to a million dollars. Or 10% of your turnover. So take 10% out of your turnover as an SME and you're going to, do it tough you're going to do it tough um, potential jail terms um, will make 15 years and, and ASIC is just uh, they're really going to be fighting against this toothless toothless tiger um, badge that they have they want to be branded as a feared regulator so you know it's just with the WHS Act it's there's 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 um, small little tweaks in there and the, the bit but the, the large one is the corporate manslaughter and that's going to make you liable for gross negligence of, um, you know, uh, against your employees. So things are changing and they will constantly change. So it's getting back to what we originally stated, um, what worked and what was in place last year or last month or last week is not going to work in a couple of weeks' time. All right, excellent. I think that's a good way to end the podcast, really. Um, thank you very much, Brad, for making time for us. Cheers. Been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast was produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was written by Rob Neary.